Hey y'all, my name's Tino Beth, and this is a Quantum Feedback Podcast, episode number 14. Welcome to the Quantum Feedback Podcast, where together we'll explore the bridge between science and spirituality, translate the messages of the divine, and play the infinite game to live, love, and learn life lessons. I'm your host, Tino Beth. Let's dial in to quantum feedback. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the second interview with Zuzanna Buckley. This is the first second interviewee that I've had. And this is us taking a deep dive into what Joe Dispenza talks about genomic imprinting. So there's a reference clip of the Joe Dispenza video that went on his Instagram. Now, this sparked a conversation that I had with Zana Buckley about the genomic imprinting that happens as parents and as we raise children and as we conceive conceptually and and all of these influences, these feedback influences that affect the growing child, the development of a child, the development of humans in life. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Zazanna Buckley as we dive into genomic imprinting. Let's um let's let's backtrack it a little bit. Um mm. did you I, I was going to play it for us so we could like get into resonance with the with that little track. I don't know if you feel that's um necessary the since the video yeah, the video. Yeah, I, I I literally finished watching it just before we we um started talking. So All right, okay. I, I have it like I wrote some notes in my phone. I have my phone here, and I wrote some notes. Um, that yeah, that I felt like um I wanted to remember from mm. it. Yeah. So let's stop it there and let's yep. have a chat about that because there's a lot there that we can dive into without yeah. getting too like lost in the in the concept of how we are genetically imprinting into our mm. children before before we've even conceived, you know, yeah. because the the energy that we're holding as we um as we go into that, you know, into that commitment of of fertilizing, you know, taking our genetic material and combining that into creating a new human. Yeah, um, yeah. There's so many things. I mean, there's been so many books that I read that, um, or even when you when you put in Google conscious conception. So there, I still feel like there is this um, two groups of how people look at conscious conception. So um, because the mainstream world is not very um, penetrated with, let's say, the spiritual aspect of reality. So most of the things that you can read, they're missing that bit. But I've been quite pleased to see that when I put that in Google, then a few of the websites that were quite mainstream-minded uh, were talking about nutrition, for example, because mm. that's something that most people won't take into account. I had one book that was called Hearing Our Children, I think. It's a really thick book. Um, and... Yes, it talks about, you know, if you want to, you know, bring this offspring to the world. Um, and they're talking about like going six months 
um, before, you know, before you even thinking about conceiving, you know, going six months or three years, they, they really lay up this whole um, plan of, you know, what eat, what foods to eat. And it's uh, supported by um, a lot of science, um, especially in this one book, it was supported by, and uh, I forgot his name, I think Dr. Price or something, or something like that. He was a dentist and his Dr. child. West. Dr. Yes. Weston A. Price, yeah. Yes, that's the one, yeah. His child died of like a cavity or something and then he spent his rest of his life going through these trial book places around the world and seeing how, you know, perfectly symmetrical their that the people's heads were and, you know, how, how their teeth were so healthy even though they don't use any of the products we use. Um, so he was really fascinated and he realised, you know, how the diet is so, so, so important for that. And um, so, yeah, I would say... The nutrition plays a big part, um, as in the as in the video. It's saying, um, you know, the um, that whatever was in the mother's body and whatever was in the father's body cast the first genetic dye on the on the baby. Mm. It's not baby yet. So um, yeah. So I guess my understanding would be. Um, if we go really, really before the conception would be the the diet. And as well, the environment. He was talking about the environment. So I remember reading things like, um, for example, when it was like during the Second World War and if the mother was pregnant, then she was, you know, there was no food and all of that. Um, Studies showed that all those babies that were born to these starving mothers uh, were overweight in their later life because there was put that code in that, oh, my gosh, there's not food outside, so I need to keep and hold on to every little piece I take in. Um, so how interesting is that, hey? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating because there's um, mm. like what you're saying is, you know, we do cast the genetic dye for our children that we, you know, we create. And diet is one thing and the ripple effect of mm. like what you're saying, diet is that, you know, there's a like an, an opposite reaction or an equal and opposite reaction from having like no food available and then mm. the child grows up, you know, like encoded to try and hang on to food and try to eat as much food. I suppose the kind of diet that they're getting may be um, influenced by that as well. Obviously it will be, but you mentioned before it's like the environment and Dr. Joe mm. Dispenza was talking about the environment and, you know, this is something that I can relate to a little bit in terms of the stress or the, yes. the nature of, you know, my life going leading up to conception and leading up to, you know, the birth of my child and, mm. and really reflecting on that. It's, it was, um, you know, it was it was something that I was aware of because, you know, intuitively and inherently, like I've been conscious and aware of of me and my actions and me and how I'm influencing the field. And I know that that has a ripple effect in, in my child in, you know, all the way from conception up to birth. And then, you know, during the learning process of becoming a father and that child growing up. And, um, you know, I guess probably what we need more is just to have more conversations like this so that it becomes a more 
popular, more mainstream approach to childbearing, to childbirth, to conception, mm-hmm. to consci- consciousness conception, where we are, you know, like probably going back to more um, ancient traditions of, you know, really giving ourselves like <laughs> six months to a year, probably nine months mm-hmm. before we even go to conceive a child so that our bodies you know, like not only are we, you know, are we doing the inner work during those nine months so that we're actually like, you know, like having these deep, um, you know, deep inner processing that's happening. So you're like relieving yourself of all your traumas and whatever that you've acquired in your life and Mm. and you're dealing with that and you're also nourishing your body, you know, for the man and the woman so that they are in their peak, you know, physically in their peak and mentally, emotionally in their, you know, most sublime so that when Mm. you actually go to then fertilize an egg, you know, like you're creating even more of a miracle just by you participating with the, you know, with your own spiritual evolution. Yeah, yeah, I, I really, I really um, resonate with that, and it's um, yeah, I wish that you know over the time this is gonna become mainstream, exactly like you said that it's gonna that because it, it's it's I find it's always tricky with um you know having guides or you know how to do things because people can get obsessive or too controlling or you know and then then, then it takes the purpose away, but um just having more consciousness, being more aware, I think is the key because um, as, as, we, as we know how it goes, so the way, the, you know, we, the way we conceive, the way we have pregnancy, the way we birth, then the way we parent, and all of that has an effect. And, um, and then, yeah, in the end we have an adult and it can be a very traumatized adult and then the traumatized adult can uh, do a lot of damage have a lot of bad relationships and all sort of stuff. So um, if we look at it from a perspective that if we can, you know, approach it with more consciousness and more awareness and make different choices, conscious choices, rather than just, you know, leaving it on or whatever, you know. Um, I remember when I was younger, I always wondered, or when I became, when I became mum first, um, I wondered when there never was like a, a school for parenting, you know, like you have a school or you have a course for, um, I don't know, learning how to drive a car and all sorts of things. But if you, if you think about like a parenting mentor or something, people go like, like what, you know, it, it's not, it's not a head of thing. Like it's not a, it's not a nor- normal thing. It's not a, uh, just, you know, that's just what everyone does. But if we think about how important, the job of having a child is and nearly every person on the planet is going to be a parent. Um, how important is that? But there, there doesn't seem to be, um, it's like a hole. It's like a hole where you just meant to figure it out. And of course, like we speak, but we spoke in the first video, um, you know, how you had your free birth, you know, you didn't um, have a coach, you know, to help you with that. And, and it was a wonderful experience. Um, and, you know, you learned from moment to moment, um, which is wonderful. And it's so important to be able to access that as well. But um, I still think that if people can approach it with more consciousness, um, then the whole journey, that it can have such a powerful effect on 
everything. Mm. Yeah, because I always see there's a result. You know, the way the way the things are is because the way people are, and the pe- way people are is because of the the gaps. The unconsciousness just happens in on the whole parenting journey when you know children just happen, or um, you know people just have children because they think that's what you meant to do. Mm. Now there's so many people out there where. Um, I seen people having children, and then as soon as they're six weeks old, they put them in the daycare, and and then they, you know, they throw the whole child in the daycare, and then they go to school, and the parents not even there, and I go like, why did you have kids, you know? Um, and people sometimes don't even know the answer because they go really like, I don't know, that's that's just what everyone does. Mm. But I don't know. I wish that having children was really for people. Um, more of a conscious and aware thing than just, oh, I don't know, because everyone does that. That's what you do on this planet. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You yeah. really um, um touched on something that was really interesting, that gap. Okay. You know, that gap mm. in the market, really, that we don't have mm. because we don't grow up in, we don't live in a tribe, tribal situation where we've got elders and we've got, like, that close connection to family and to, yeah. you know, like, um. Y- you know, you, you try basically. So that gap that we have is we don't have coaches for, you know, for parenting, for parenthood and to, mm-hmm. and, and like a conscious conception coach and a conscious parenting coach. And that's just like this massive gap because I, essentially I think what I was looking for was someone like that, but mm. I didn't know anyone that was... <laughs> that was capable or that was participating on, you know, in the feedback nature of life as much as I was. So I was like, well, if I'm going to have to do this on my own to become my own coach to, you know, help guide myself through this process, just because there was no, there was nothing on the market. I couldn't see anything on the market that was like, you know, like if you want to have children, you you want to have a, you want to birth a supernatural child that has the, you know, that is a genius and that yeah. you, you're giving them like everything, like the head start that they need. The, they, you're giving them the, the genetic lottery of, you know, your own perfect genomic imprinting on, on them, you know, and, and yeah. creating that perfect mold for them, that die that Joseph, I mean, that um, Joe talked about. Mm you know like that would that would be a powerful service that would be a powerful like option to you know like program to offer people um yeah. you know like because there are you know everyone's meeting on on apps on tinder and stuff like that these days and then that's creating their relationship and that's really like you know that's you know like that is the training for families and relationships these days in some sense yeah and i just i just when you were talking i just wanted to show you a book it's called conceiving souls of magnificence so that's mm. a book to read, for example yeah yeah um so yes there's there's people out there um because i am so immersed in this um you know environment i am aware of people but it's again it's it's not that common and you know it's not um yeah, like I was talking, like, you know, when you want to drive a car, there's mm. so many companies to choose from or 
um, it's just a, such an easy thing. Yes, you you know you go to a course, and um, when it comes to the this whole journey of parenting, it's all left in I don't know. I would say mystery, and that is I found that it's a good thing that there's a part of it is always going to be a mystery. But like you said, in the olden days, there used to be the families living together. And, um, you know, the, the children could learn from the parents and um, there, there was never a woman alone on her journey. You know, when I think about all the old other tribes, they, when a woman is pregnant or wants to enter the journey of, of, you know, having a child, they have ceremonies. They, you know, it's such a conscious thing for the whole tribe. They know how one soul coming, one person coming to the tribe is a blessing. Um, and it's, and it's, I feel like the woman never feels alone, never mm. feels she has to do it on her own. She always has support. Um, you know, you see those tribes where, you know, they have a newborn and they they still keep, keep working, working meaning filling their part in the tribe. The women still go to the fields and all of that. But it's because there's so much support available that they can do that, mm. um, which our Western world is so disconnected and there's so much separation happening you know that's that's all I really hear when when I gather with with um like-minded women is the lack of support mm. um it's all you know we have all these wonderful apps and can connect and all of that but um how we using it these women um and even men you know entering this journey this I don't know do do men have a talk like you know or, you know Hi, mate, I, I, um, I want to have a kid, you know, how did you go? Or I don't know, is this something that men talk about? I don't think so. Um, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, I, I still feel that there's this gap and we're so good to show people that, you know, we can do it in a conscious, aware way and it doesn't have to be so hard. Mm. Um, it's just really about making a few different choices and then the the result can be so different. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, men do have groups. There are men's groups around where they talk about, you know, like, oh, my God, um, I got this chick pregnant and we're okay. going to have a baby and it's freaking me out. You know, that yeah. happens. It does. Um, yeah. But I think it's only like at, you know, it's only at the the fledgling stage of what it could be you know like i don't see it um being that super supportive you know camaraderie that it could be Mm. you know and and with with knowledge and understanding and and support um you know it it also seems like it's it's a big gap missing because you know for the most part it, it seems you know in in this modern culture that we're, we're all sort of consumed by, that there is a massive disconnect for the man and what he's doing because he, you know, traditionally his role is just to bring home the bacon and, you know, and provide that sort of level of security. But there's way more that the man can be doing in terms of showing up, in terms of holding that energetic space in terms of, you know, really laying, you know, like and doing that inner work within himself so that. I just had a question. What, what do you think is the 
the missing thing that people don't look for these services or is there is it because there isn't enough service or what would be the missing link that you think it is because my my answer would be i guess that it's because people have so much trauma in their own bodies and in their own minds is that they don't how would i say they have so much trauma that they're not aware that they can be a different way Mm. so it's like um I'll explain. They just, just want to get sense. it done. They just want to get the birthing um, done. Like, yeah. oh, let's just get this well, over with so we can continue on with our life. Yes, unless we let ourselves feel how other people feel or face our own, you know, traumas and our own dragons, then we are desensitized, right? Like, I remember when um, I was having um, my second baby at home and I was talking to my mother-in-law. She wasn't happy with my choices and all of that. And... And then, you know, I, I was trying to, I don't know, just give her this idea of how sensitive and conscious little babies are. And she's like, oh, don't be ridiculous. Uh, newborns don't remember, you know, anything from their first day. First day they, they're not even, like, conscious or something. And I was like, whoa, like, wow, I think, like, the complete opposite. Um, and, you know, you can have a rebirth therapy and you can actually remember your own birth. Um, but that's that's what I'm thinking that I got to these places and to this level of awareness or consciousness around it because I faced my own um, you know pains and traumas and all of that and I feel like maybe the key is that people um, just are so desensitized that they you know they don't have it in them to even be able to be like oh okay maybe the baby feels and how could it feel because as soon as you can feel how it would feel or you remember how it felt, then you're going to make different choices. So yeah. I think I, I think that's that's for me the answer, but what would you say is missing? So, I agree with you totally. And I would say that there's this chronic separation that we have with the connectivity of life and the, and the, and the different levels of life, the different, dimensions of life and how they connect you know like i suppose on on a fundamental level like just diet how that affects everything how that affects the the biology in your body in your guts that's one level of it but there's like this energetic realm that we're only even we're just only scratching the surface of and it's you know and the energetics of our birth that creates you know that I guess for the most part in in you know in modern society that's created a big disconnect in terms of because we we're growing up with trauma from having you know normal births or just sort of ripped out and you know yeah. been treated like machines in a in a in a hospital sort of industrial setting and that just creates a massive disconnect with our own birth so that we don't cherish the experience inherently with with our children with our birthing process with our how we conceive and um yeah i guess for me you know this seems obvious that there's this massive chronic disconnection between you know the cause and effect of our reality you know when we go to mm. conceive and when we go to have a child and we when we're giving birth 
when we're feeding ourselves, when we're feeding our child, when we're choosing the environment we want to grow in, grow up in and, and to raise, you know, this delicate and, you know, like to nurture this delicate life form that's growing, you know, we need to pay more attention. We need to have more consciousness about how we're doing that and include, you know, as many um, feedback loops, you know, as possible within the decision-making process of how we choose, you know, the thoughts and the feeling and the actions to support, you know, the kind of life that we want to live. Because uh, I, I think that most people would choose, you know, considering if they have access to information and they have access to um, a way of integrating that information so that, they can update their awareness, their operating system on on that process of having of being a parent and of giving birth. They would choose differently, and mm. for the most part, most people are just so overwhelmed by normal life, and um, and and so trained by normal life not even to look at you know the subtle so energy fields. Kind of rising. Yeah, yeah. just like in a hypnosis. They- yeah. Yeah. Unconditioned, mm. you know, that they're, they're just operating yes. from the from the um the subconscious mind and yeah. and there's no real input there from the conscious mind in terms of you know um perceiving the environment and perceiving you know different influences that are going to affect you know yourself because that's what mm. you number one have to look after is yourself that's yeah. your number one responsibility as a father, as a mother. And um, so to have that insight into what's going to influence me, you know, and what am I prone to based upon my past and my stories of the past and Mm -hmm. my subconscious conditioning, you know, so that I have sort of like, um, you know, an awareness of, of what to steer clear of and what to steer towards and different practices that can help ground me and different practices that can, help me to, you know, stay on point with, you know, with the actual conscious journey that I want to be on. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've really, I've really resonated with that because I was sort of trying in my mind to backtrack. I was like backtracking, like where does things start? Where do things start? And yeah. So I really resonate with what you said, the disconnect between, um, that they people have, I mean, there's so many levels of the disconnect, but seeing the the feedback of what their actions actually do, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's so important that people just live their lives and they just think like, oh, I don't know, life just happens or it's all an accident or there's no sort of pattern to anything and you just keep going and you'll see what happens or something. And they they missing the link that there's an input and there is an output every time right Mm. and um yeah so i guess helping people understand this is very Mm. important (laughs) so they can um yeah so they can be like oh okay yeah Mm. like yeah make different choices and yeah and um essentially treat that birthing process as that spiritual initiation into parenthood yeah, I, I would even go before, um, you know, like 
this communicating with the spirit, you know, and all of that, adding that that whole um, another layer of consciousness, another layer of of the parenting. I think it's um, it's really important, and um, it can help people approach the journey so much more consciously when they go like, oh, you know, you can you can actually do that. You can communicate with your unborn child and they are somewhere out there. Um, yeah. Mm. But tell me a little bit more about that. That's something that you, you touched upon last time we spoke. Yeah. I actually, I, I'm actually, uh, just yesterday I joined this seven-week program, which is, um, it's like a spirit baby communication mentorship. Um, I wanted to do it for a long time, but it just felt like a line for me. Um, so I can get really comfortable in that because I'm so passionate about it. But once I can have some support and spend some, you know, focus time on it, then I feel like I'll be able to be more comfortable and confident to help others with that. But uh, I don't know. Pretty much. Um, well, what's your question? Because <laughs> I don't know which which angle to approach it from. Yeah, there's. Okay, so so let's um, let's approach it from the mainstream current today. Okay. Imagine, okay. you know, what, what is the process? I mean, what is the, you know, the unconscious version of having a child? And let's explore that so that we can compare and contrast between, okay. you know, like, oh, I'm going to have a child and I'm going to think about it. I'm going to leave it up to the medical system to help me deliver yeah. my child. And the man, okay. he can just pay the bills and. <laughs> okay. And I'm not connected yeah. to the actual spirit of the child okay. and I treat it like this, you know, this thing that's not even going to remember anything until it's like three and then I'll sort of, I'll be busy, I'll be too busy, I'm going to just give it my iPad and just let it play around with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, you just sort of said that, yeah, so that is one way um, and I feel like, um, yeah, people who are completely disconnected from the spiritual perspective aspect of reality that that's sort of how they approach it that they just go like oh okay they go really on the like they look at it mechanically so okay um there was conception and now there's a baby and and then the baby's gonna be born and um yeah and I just feel like it's it's the baby's approach more as a thing than a living being with feeling with its destiny with its um you know spiritual life with with all of these other aspects it's more like just okay that there's a this you could say machine right that that you know eats poops and you know does all that and mm. and i know that even people who are so disconnected when the baby's born there's some you know everyone knows that there's something special about babies newborn babies like just people just stand in you know like wow you know mm. um because there's something so special about them. Um, but, yeah, people can have um, lives like that when they completely disconnected from that spiritual feeling, this perspective of their child. Or on the other side, um, so conscious Do conception and, you know, calling on this spirit is really the awareness of that um, we are um, spiritual beings having a human experience So and the soul no, the spirit is immortal, so it it's somewhere up out there. It is there's a place where souls live, whatever the live means. Um, you know, it's all a great mystery, but um, 
said there is a being that is going to find a body that's going to find parents and it's going to through them create its own body and then it's going to embody the body and then it's going to come into the physical reality and live its life um, and you know walk towards its destiny comes here with a purpose comes here with a message Um, it's not just a fact of oh random you know people um, had sex and now there's a baby right it's it's a really um very different perspective looking at it this way um and all the old tribes used to do that they you know i was reading i don't know which book it was i was reading so many but um what one book was i think it was lemuria i was looking into lemuria lately and um in the in the old lemuria they used to the whole city or whole tribe would before uh, they would welcome a soul, they would go into meditation and just listen to a song that would come from the baby and they would all sing it um, during the conception, during the pregnancy, during the birth. And there was like this um, this tone of the spirit of the of the baby, you know. So it was so it was so conscious and then the song would sing through the life and it would always help them heal and all of that. So and I know that some African tribes, um, uh, women would leave the, the village and they would find a song. They would connect to the baby and find a, a song or a tone or something, and they would come back and um, yeah, and they would know that this is this is their baby coming. And hmm. um, I just feel like it's so much on even to that relationship that we can have with our children that if we can build and somehow work on that relationship even before they hear with us in the physical reality how wonderful is that um yeah so yeah and sort of that yeah big a big like there's a big um a big difference there what that earlier example was like damaging and it's like critically like you know separating the child from it's you know like um what am i trying to say it's it's sort of spiritual aspect that first version that first example we gave and then that second example is like you know that first example is like we're we're starting behind the eight ball trying to send them to school trying to give them an education man they're so far behind the eight ball it's not even funny in terms of becoming a a holistic well-rounded you know um human being that knows itself (laughs) it's it's having to go through the journey of knowing itself by having a complete disconnect because it didn't no one actually was there to welcome it and to go hey look we know you we see you we remember you when you were coming through like what you're saying is the different tribes are like tuning into that tuning into the frequency of what's coming through before it's even there to then create the environment that supports that coming through to to create that supportive environment so that that child is then being reflected who it is like it's going oh look there's there's people here there's a conscious awareness it's like this fractal version of the universe you know my parents are conscious enough to reflect back to me what I am, like the, the signal that I'm sending out to them. <laughs> and it's like, ah, yeah. oh, that's reaffirming as opposed to, 
you know, your spirit, you're entering into the womb of a mother and, and no one hears you, no one hears your message and you're like, whoa, like there is a void. I'm in a void, you know, on a, on a conscious level for this, this, um, this spiritual entity that's coming through. It's going, I'm in a void and what's going on here? And there's no one, no one's like reflecting my um my signal back to me so it's hard for me to remember who i was it's hard to remember who i am and um you know and i suppose that's just um an interesting you know as we explore this and discover this it's um you know highlighting that disconnect even more it's even takes me back to the video where um which i was talking about you know how the feelings and all of emotions, actions, how it all has impact. But if we look at it at, um, you know, if a parent, if the parent is, for example, not emotionally available, so our all energy field affects the child. So if our life doesn't have any space for a spiritual reality or emotional reality, and it's all just, you know, really matter, um, then we can't see that of a child. I remember when I was doing some work on myself and I felt I, I felt unseen most of my life when I was a kid. I know that my parents didn't have much awareness in the emotional uh, part of reality and the spiritual was really blank for them. So I was there and they did see me and they, you know, they attended to some of my needs. But there was so many other layers that I never felt were even met or even seen or even heard because my parents didn't have that. So um, that's another great thing to be aware of, that, um, yeah, that whatever we are um, is what we can offer our children. So if we can offer them a lot because we work on ourselves and we learn and we explore, then, um, yeah, we can offer them way more. You're just saying that um, something that really hit me just then with what you are saying was, you know, hit me with my upbringing, with my relationship mm. with my father and mother was that the emotional awareness, the emotional um, presence, that space wasn't created. It wasn't supported and it wasn't like maintained or upheld. So it was like really, it was really, you know, traumatizing to know that there was no space, you know, there was no space for, you know, or no one holding space for me trying to figure out my stuff, you know, and there was no guide there to say, oh, cool. Like, you know, as a parent, you're a guide first and foremost to your children. Um, and and the, I didn't find like I was, I didn't have a guide, you know, like there was obviously, but on some level I was like, man, there is something fundamentally missing in mm. in these people because they're not helping. They're not they don't have access to this deep need that I'm feeling as a child. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember what age I was, but this deep need yeah. that I have for someone to be able to drop into the same resonance that I'm experiencing and to go, mm. Hey, I'm here and I'm yeah. feeling you. And, yeah. you know, and just by connecting on that plane of frequency, whether I'm having a breakdown or whatever I'm going through, 
you know, like that was something that I was just like so hungry for and wanting and I was left, yeah. you know, without that. And it was just like so like traumatizing. I'm still like processing that and dealing with that today. It's like one of those reoccurring things. It's like, huh, no one held space for me. And I wasn't like, it's like I was invisible to them because they're like, that's too hard. I can't do that. You know, like I don't even know how to like let go of being up here and drop down into like being in the heart and just to allow these waves of emotion to like wash through this young child that I'm supposed to be the guide for, um, wash through him, me, to then wash through the, me, the father, to then so that I can ripple that back and we can slowly like start to ease that, calm that, those like disturbed waters of emotion. But but I feel like as well, you know, so many people don't have even access to those planes, you know. Mm. That there is, there is, I think there's like, you know, there's always stages to things. So what you were talking about, you know, there may be people who are aware of those needs they feel them somewhere there, but they don't know how to approach it. It's like when parents just ignore, you know, or they go like, I'll withdraw or they, they punish because they don't know how to deal with that. So there's, but they're still aware that there is a need, mm. but I feel like there's even people who are not even aware that a child can have a, you know, a need, mm. that sort of need or, you know, it's hard to put into words, but I just, I just know that there are people who, are so disconnected that they are not not aware like for example like I remember from my childhood this feeling of just not being seen like I knew I was there and my parents looked after me but I wasn't seen fully because those parts of me that my parents were not that they didn't see in themselves um, mm. were sort of they become invisible to the parent so um, yeah like I know that um, my children, they, you know, the spiritual aspect is so strong in my life that um, I always see that in them as well. And I know that that's, it comforts me knowing that, you know, I didn't get that as a kid. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. There's a big part of this whole thing is just like healing our own wounds yeah. and, yeah. you know, not wanting to perpetuate that cycle and that. Um. Like one lady that I really like, she's like a parenting coach, really. Her name is Dr. Shefali. I think I mentioned her last time. Um, but her one of her best quotes that I like is that the parenting journey is not actually about parenting the child; it's about parenting the yourself. Mm. And I really and I really resonated because if we look, you know, I'm always trying to backtrack and be like, so how can we help? How can I help? What can I do different? Or what can I tell people so they can, you know, do their journey different? And it always comes back to, you know, working on yourself and realizing that, um, yeah, you have to reparent yourself and you need to, um, all those things you're going to do, you have to do on yourself for yourself. It's there's, You can't control children. You can't, um, you know, you can condition them to do things, but there's always, um, like you would say, a feedback to it. There's a, a consequence. Mm. So, um, yeah, so you can do that. And a lot, lot of people do that. They condition their children in so many different ways in behaving this way, but there's a consequence. And, um, yeah, it's about 
letting children be children, giving them the right environment. Um, and even we, if we backtrack, you know, when we're talking about the preconception and conception, there's all there's this there's a path, and it's happening. And for us, it's really to um, add as little to it of the unnecessary things mm-hmm. and let it unfold in its own beautiful way and give it the right environment, uh, the right conditions. So, um, yeah, so that process can unfold in a beautiful way rather than, you know, having lots of um, lots of little loops here and then. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's like um, I, I just thinking about it just then. It's like the signal to noise ratio. It's like when you okay. are beginning that journey of of becoming a parent, you really just want to focus on perpetuating a, a you know a truthful signal and and being there to support that signal of truth that's coming in. Mm. You know mm. that that's coming through the child. And and really being neutral more than creating noise in the environment because noise in the environment is going to, you know, imprint in the genome of that child, you know, over the, you know, first three years, over the first seven years of their life. It's going to just yeah. become programmed into the subconscious. Yeah. So that, um, you know, so it's it's more about stepping back and and love what you're saying about reparenting ourselves because you know like that is um that's healing our our own wounds so that we don't perpetuate that in the next generation yeah and what what you were talking i um, i really liked how joe said um you know children from zero to seven they they mainly live in theta and delta brainwaves, so they're in hypnosis, and there's no, um, not, no nothing stopping the whatever is in the environment going mm. through them and fully impacting them. So um, I think even what if people were aware of this, that they would do things differently. Um, yeah, how? Because I remember how fascinated I was when I realized that. Um, children usually start saying I, like they realise that they're separate from everything else around them around the age of three. Uh, But before, they literally experience oneness on such a level that they they think that they, whatever they see, not just other people, but even things, Mm. you know, there's, I remember how fascinated I was even like with when you have the about six month old babies. So there's this game that people sometimes play with them, the peekaboo, where where you hide yourself and 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 it works so well with them because they have no I don't know what's the term for it, but they don't I think it's an ob- object something, uh object permanency awareness or something like that. That as soon as you hidden or something is hidden, they're not aware that it actually still exists behind it. <laughs> so their their consciousness, the level of consciousness, is just so different to where we are as adults, and mm. um, and being aware of that, and then working with that, and supporting them, being so careful and gentle, it can it can make such a huge difference. Yeah, especially like one one of the biggest things that um, that I can think of is like even screens. If you think about it, so if you think that children from zero to seven, everything they see, they, they like 
fully goes through them and they're even experiencing it, right? Mm. Um, we know that even adults, when we watch a movie, you know, our brain thinks that it's happening, but we have those few, um, you know, we have the intelligence to, you know, be like, okay, well, I'm, I'm actually not being stabbed or something. But the kids don't. They fully experience it. So if you imagine to, um, yeah, like giving a little kid a movie where, I don't know, something horrible happens fully they fully experience it so mm-hmm. um yeah it's amazing and and yeah. that giving them a horrible movie but giving them also a beautiful movie they experience yeah. that too they experience yeah. the magical nature of of yeah. that story and of yeah. where they go in that in that you yeah. know some beautiful movie that's not probably not Walt Disney or something which is sort yeah. of always filled filled with trauma yeah what yeah. what would you what would you say is um you know speaking about the because my daughter's just gone past the age of three so yeah there's there's a foundation of of um programming that she's she's been immersed in already and that's hardwired in her to a degree already yeah but what what can what from your um from your perspective like what what can we do like what can I do over the next four years to you know, really create, train, condition more of a genius sort of free-spirited child that, you know, doesn't, you know, grows up to a beautiful, beautiful being that, you know, has unlimited potential. I really like your question because I I wanted to say one thing that is so important and that is... um, I experienced it on my own that, um, you know, we can learn all these things, you know, how to make the right things, what what choices to make, and then we can get overwhelmed and be like, oh, my God, like I like I damaged my kid or something, you know. Like when you when you come to this um, new information when your child is, I don't know, Lotus is now, she's going to be eight this year, you know, and, and I know so much more than I did when she was little um, and I made different choices. So, you know. I remember coming to this place and feeling like, oh my God, like I just, I just traumatized my child on so many levels. Like what a horrible mother am I? And like my kid is damaged. But um, there's, there's another aspect of the whole thing that sort of lightens it up. And that is that there's always the child chooses its parent. They know what they're signing up for. So it's not again to be like, okay, so I can just do whatever, but it helps us to take this pressure and be like, well, not n- there isn't a single part of this journey that we're doing it alone. You know, even even when it comes to the preconception, conception, pregnancy, birth, all of those are always supported by other beings. Um, you know, it's it's such a complex process. I, I read the other day a book. I, f- I forgot what it was called. I think um, spiritual aspect of pregnancy and birth or something like that and um you know it gave me a little bit more information about that but um nothing ever happens by chance or accident so you know there is um the 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 journey of the soul coming to earth is actually they they plan their life you know they they know what they're in for they they choose the parents so they can have the experiences they want and and, you know, it, it comes to us that, okay, uh, we're not going to be like, oh, whatever now. Um, 
but you know we need to find the balance between being too overwhelmed with all the things and doing it the right way because we can really get stuck in that mindset and be like you know overly obsessive and then you're not going to enjoy your life you're not going to enjoy your parenting journey because i met many parents who go like um i don't know the, the child sees a screen for 30 seconds and they go like oh my god my like i can't be friends with you because you know or or even with what they being fed you know we need to find this this balance between both of those when we are unconscious and doing everything like automatically and just robotic and then being overly controlling i feel like there is a way where we can find this balance and to me the balance is being aware of all these things doing your best and then leaving the rest uh or feeling the rest with trust and knowing that there are other forces in play and um for example i am really big um fan so to say of waldorf education i uh, the playgroup i run is is using waldorf philosophy i'm not sure if you know about waldorf a little bit a little bit yeah. i went to astana school for 12 years oh god bless you <laughs> uh so sweet uh so yeah we were we working on building a school here on gold coast and um yeah, and when I started diving into the world of education, you know, I became exactly like I said before, ob- obsessed with doing the right thing, you know, because Walder system understands the development of child amazingly to all all its layers, to emotional, spiritual, social, physical. You know, it there isn't a bit that it's missing. They really look at the child and all the little things that are done with the children at school or even before school and the advice that is given is really to um so instead of guessing or you know you can really look at how the how the child is developing at each stage like i said you know around three years it's it's well known in the world their system that that's when children become aware of themselves so they start calling themselves i and then um you know around seven like um we know that there is a big change happening as well you know different different bodies are born and all of that so it's wonderful to um, to know that, but people can get like I did. I was like, oh my god, like I'm, I've done so many things wrong. Now my kid's gonna be damaged. And after a while, being immersed in in that and learning about, it, I realized that you know, I can I can just let go and know that I'm trying my best and I'm learning and I'm evolving. It's never gonna be perfect. Mm. You know, it's never gonna be to the dot and what I can do and this is what feeds the children and they know it no matter how little they are that you're trying and the willingness to be the best parent you can the willingness to learn and explore and question um you know your own patterns and beliefs and and all of that and keep evolving on the parenting journey is is sometimes more important to the developing child than any of the, you know, doing this the right way because they mm. know that you care so much and you want to do so much and you want to try, you want to, you want to, you know, meet them where they are because there's lots of parents who just can't be bothered, right? Mm. They just, um, you know, they just go like, oh. I'm not, I'm not changing for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you're the kid right like i'm the parent and i know better and you do what i say because i say so or something like that so and the, ch- the child knows it children are so intuitive so much more sensitive to everything that even that being able to name it they know 
that how much we try. And I think that that matters more than, um, you know, doing it exactly the right way. Mm. Yeah. Cause like we, like we spoke at the beginning, um, people can become dogmatic, you know, I met people in the Steiner system who just really, their ideas are crystallized and they just go like, you either do it this way or you don't do it at all. You, you're failure. Mm. And there is a way in between. And when you ask, you know, what can you do um, for your daughter? Um, you know, working on yourself is the most important thing. And, um, yeah, keep growing. And especially, you know, there's this beautiful saying in, in the Steiner system that uh, um, we don't need curriculums for children, that each child is a curriculum themselves. They're like a book. And if we learn how to read the book, we can get all the answers because every child comes here with a different destiny. They come with different, you know, gifts, different things. And if we all treat them the same way, like, for example, it's done in the um, mainstream school system, then you can, you can get like, oh, because this child is gifted at this and it doesn't fit into the box, then it can be shut down. Mm. Uh, where if we look at each child individually, and really learn how to read them, then we can give them exactly what they need at the, at the right time. So, yeah. Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I really feel that we are on a, on a mutually parallel journey of transformation, me and my daughter. And it's like when mm. I transform, it's like I can feel her going, popping like her eyes popping open yeah. and going oh you know something's happening and they're getting excited and and i think there's that that's like a feedback loop in and of itself between the parent and the child is like seeing the child grow and transform and then that ripple into my life and going oh so much transformation's happening in this in this child and it's so inspiring that i want to go and do bigger things and become more oh, yeah. and to grow and to you know, change who I am and to recondition myself. And then they see that and they go, whoa, like it's, you know, it's growth all the way up. You know, there's no stagnancy, you know, and I think that's inspiring for the child to see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no limit to, you know, to becoming, to, you know, embodying and, and to mastering, you know, this reality. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I've always found it. I was even I was even laughing many times when this happened. Observing with my children, he said, "Let's say I had a week where I was a little bit less emotionally available because I was dealing with my stuff, and then I, you know, hopped into another place where I was just like, oh, okay, I'm back." And that day, my children had the biggest meltdowns, like both of them, and it happened so many times. And it's because they know they can feel like, oh, mommy's back, mommy's available, you know. So. Um, <laughs> That relationship is so interconnected that they just, you know, it's actually so rich. It's so much more richer than we can even comprehend. Mm. And, um, yeah, and it's wonderful to um, to know it and to, yeah, to wonder about it, how, um, how a- actually we are impacting our children and how our relationship is um, working itself out. Um, yeah, it's like they, how powerful it's like they- it is. Yeah, sorry. It's like they pick up on your bandwidth, like your Fun. your capacity, and they're like, "Oh, look, there's heaps of capacity here now." Like, yes, 
give me yeah. some of that. Like, let's, you know, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's be entangled a little bit. Here's some stuff to help me process. Yeah. Like even, you know, people ask like, why do children behave better for when they with someone than their parents? You know, like they go to a nana's house for a sleepover and then I goes like, oh, you have such a wonderful behavior, kids. You know, oh, my goodness, everything, you know, was wonderful. She uses their manners, everything was just wonderful. And then they get home. And I had it happen many times as soon as Lotus hopped in the car, like she just had this meltdown. Mm. And it was because there she, she wasn't seen and held and no one was available for her like I am at home. So then, you know, mm. she had to. Yeah, and they know it. They know it, yeah. So if, if someone doesn't have that experience of trust and of bondage with their children because they lost touch mm-hmm. of that feedback loop and they lost touch of doing the work themselves and they're picking up on this podcast, this episode, and they're like, wow, I need to like reconnect and to like try to reestablish this bond, you know, like what do you think people could do to like go about well, doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first thing would be to slow down and to become present because that's where children live. They live in the present moment. Um, in the first first video, I remember I, I mentioned that thing that was one morning and I wanted to take my son to park and I was like, oh, my God, I would rather be home and do a catch up on all these things. And I was like, oh, what a waste of time taking him to the park. But I consciously said to myself, that I'm stepping into this playground and I'm becoming fully present and I'm entering the world. And I did that and I was just blown away what we did together and how connected I felt and what I what he showed me. Um, so they're just so not present that they can't even see the child. You know, they see them physically, but that's it because children can be only met in the present moment, little ones especially. Um, yeah. Becoming present, um, whatever that means, slowing down and and just being open to their child. So you can even, they can be playing and you can just sit down on the floor and for a few minutes try to forget everything that you're doing and just try to be with them, just mm. be. And, and, I, and I know it's from my own experience that you start feeling something. And you start seeing them in a different way, with a different eyes, with a different light. And I think that's a great place to start. Because once you establish that connection and you feel it, it, it it's a heart, heart-based feeling that you just feel the connection and then you suddenly go like, wow. And you see the little things they do and you go like, wow, like this is, this is magic. This is a miracle right in front of me. Which before you go like, oh, my God, why are they, I don't know, throwing stuff or what, you know. Once you look at them with those eyes, you go like, oh, wow, they're actually trying the gravity or, you know, it all starts making sense. Those little things they do and it's all magical, I find. So hmm. once that happens, then there's this drive to have more of that naturally, yeah. I think. And, um, yeah, and then it all leads to, you know, um, you want more of that and then you, you go like, well, why am I not available? Why am I trying to distract myself? Or, um, you know, why do I want to be present when my child is crying, all of that? And then it just leads to a journey of, you know, working on yourself. And, yeah. Mm, Really, like, taking away your own distractions, your own noise, you know, like, 
something for me I was coming up just while you were talking was like, ah, oh, you know, there's this, there's this addiction we have to our devices as mm. parents, as adults, you know, in 2020. And it's like, you know, a big practice that I have with my daughter is like, I really don't do much on, on my phone when I'm with her really just like mm. put it down, like leave it, all, you know, don't even touch yeah. it because it's so yeah. distracting. And it just brings up all this, my other reality, my other world, and it's, you know, disconnecting. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your insights into, you know, like bridging the gap between the family, you know, like rebuilding that family bond. Because if yeah. anything, you know, like we've we've come out of an era that has been systematically created to disrupt the family bond and the only way that we're going to move forward in the future in a healthy positive way from the foundation is to establish you know really healthy strong family bonds that transcend you know the material world and lead us into the energetic realm of of um of being in resonance with with our children you know and with mm. our family and then and that's the beautiful thing about it is that it can, we can start with simple things like i said the simplest things where you just you know you can choose few few minutes like this beautiful practice that i was doing a few years ago i called it present time which i would put a timer on for let's say 10 minutes and i would just I would say, oh, this is our special time. I, I would call it special time with my kid. And I would just be there 10 minutes. I would, like, become fully present. And if, and if, if something would be coming out, like I was getting distracted, like my thoughts were going away or something because they were, I was just observing them playing, then I would just go, go back. I'd be like, no, these 10 minutes are fully yours. Mm. And, and I would just give them the space to do whatever they wanted, um, and, you know, if they wanted to engage me in the game, then I would do that. But that time is so powerful. Just even, like, trying it and seeing what it does to the child, to the relationship and to the, to the parent is just magical. So it can be, you know, it doesn't have to be because parents often go like, oh, you know, I don't have time for my kids. You know, I'm busy at work. I don't have time for my children. I, I blah, 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 you know. But 10 minutes like this can be, like, a whole day of playing because you're fully there with them. And another important thing is, and, you know, it comes all back to the uh, input-output, is that whatever we hold, whatever picture we hold in inside of us has an effect on our children. Um, and that's such a and – I, and, I, and I invite people to experiment with that. You know, it's like if they if – they, they, children are so sensitive and so into you that if they – if you have a like a – in a picture that you're holding or in a belief like my child is not gonna uh-huh my child is not gonna listen to me today or they're gonna have a tantrum or we're gonna have it then they're gonna do that mm. it's so and you know instead of going crazy about it it's let's play with that let's let's try with that let's try to hold this um this vision of or this inner picture of inner belief that um you know my son's going to be helpful today or something like that. From your perspective, what's the most radical thing we can do as parents? 
I don't know. To me, it still comes back to the present moment because mm-hmm. that, that's something that you can actually do and that it gives you feedback straight away because you feel it. You feel how the experience changes and then you have different eyes and then you can look at your children different eyes. And, um, yeah, and then the whole journey starts. And so many times we disrupt the journey and then we have to start again. And even, you know, it happens to me too, all the time. Mm. And, and it's okay. Uh, but because I know I have that experience, you know, it's like, um, I don't know who said it, it was a quote that once a mind is stretched, maybe Albert Einstein, I'm not sure, he says that once a mind is stretched by an experience, it can't go back to its original size. And that's what it is that once people can experience that connection that comes from being present with your children, then they can never go back. It's never going to be like, they, if they can fully experience the special and magic of it, then they're going to want more. Mm-hmm. They're going to know that this is, this is how it's meant to be. This is what I want. And this is where I can see the magic. This is where I'm in a better mood. This is where... You know, I, I'm more calm, I'm more peaceful, I'm more helpful, I'm more loving. And um, and then they study from ma- making different choices and it all leads to, you know, working on yourself and uh, then everything just comes with it. Mm. Yeah. And then the transformation continues. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's not a journey that's just going to suddenly like, oh, okay, you learned enough, you know, off you go. No, it's... We're going to learn, evolve, and go through these different experiences of our children till the end of this, you know, life. Um, and, it's, and it's all so part of it, but it's, it's great to be on that journey willingly and embracing it and knowing and being open to the, new, to the, new, the newness of it rather than being like, oh, you know, this is, uh, I just don't want to do it. Or, yeah, then you struggle your whole life rather than, Oh, what can I learn today? How can I evolve more for my children and for myself and for everyone else? Yeah. Beautiful, Susanna. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for diving into this parenting journey with me and um, and helping well, to. I could do it every day. I could talk. Figure, <laughs> <laughs> helping to figure yeah. out what the signal, you know, the signal of truth is in you know yeah. in bridging the gap between our ancient traditions and our modern day dilemma. Thanks for listening to the Quantum Feedback Podcast. For more information about this episode or others or to dive into the garden of your mind to discover what it is inside you that was there before you began this journey, this hero's journey of being alive on planet Earth in the time of 2020, then go to quantumfeedback.org and register for the Quantum Feedback Academy, where we go into the garden of your mind. We explore this place. We define it. I'm going to give you safe boundaries to allow you to cultivate a new sense of understanding about the garden that is your mind and the quantum feedback implications of the power of your mind. Go to quantumfeedback.org.